odds are all against me. I'm ready to go, burning it down. They ain't noticed till the temperature rose. Bless the energy. Then we erupt in a blaze. Mama save us. I swear the baby's lately crazy. Hi, I'm James Anderson Foster, and you're listening to Sorceress, a weekly podcast of awesome serialized urban fantasy fiction written by amazing authors, performed for you by professional narrators, and brought to you by SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Awakened, written by C. Stephen Manley and performed for you by James Anderson Foster. Episode number one. Chapter one. Israel Trent woke to shadows. His eyes felt thick as though swollen in their sockets and he blinked slowly as the rest of his senses struggled to catch up to his sight. There were sounds all around, dull pops in the distance, insistent beeping closer a soft, drowsy groaning under the beeps. He tried to raise his head and realized it seemed to weigh far more than he remembered. Not that he could remember much. His thoughts came in slow trickles instead of the quick, steady stream he was accustomed to. There had been a bar. That was right. He'd met Conroy after they'd wrapped the post-trial piece on the Albany Park story. They had been drinking. What had it been? It was all so damn vague. A man's scream echoed from somewhere, and Israel's eyes finally surged open in their two small sockets. The space he was in looked like a storeroom. Solid brick surrounded him on three sides with heavy chain-link fence making up the fourth wall. The lights were low and yellow, glowing from what looked like emergency fixtures set high on the walls outside the fence. The air was dense and carried a miasma of scents that Israel couldn't separate. He struggled to sit up and realized he was on a padded table of some kind. No, not a table, but a stretcher. It was the kind paramedics used, but simpler. It was the older, metal kind he'd seen in black and white movies. He raised his hand to his face to rub at his tortured eyes and felt a sharp sting in his arm. An IV was securely taped to the inside of his elbow, with thin tubing leading up to a bag that was torn across the bottom and dripping its contents onto the floor. Around the IV insertion site, there was some kind of discoloration that had turned his normally dark mocha skin a kind of sickly orange. Realization hit him like a bucket of water to the face, and he yanked hard at the tubing. Pain stabbed through his arm, and he gasped. He slapped his other hand over the tiny wound to stop any bleeding. There was another strangled cry from somewhere he couldn't see, and Israel swung his feet off the stretcher with clumsy efficiency. Hard, frigid stone met his bare feet. He looked down at himself, wondering what had happened to his shoes, and noticed he was dressed in nothing but black hospital scrubs. He gritted his teeth and struggled to clear his mind of panic and disorientation. Focus, he whispered to himself. Just focus on the question. It was a mantra he had picked up from one of his journalism professors back in college. Every story had a question at its core. Anytime he'd felt himself getting bogged down on an assignment, he would recite that to refocus his thinking. This seemed more nightmare than assignment, though. 
Despite that, he knew it was no dream. He studied the heavy fence separating him from the bricked hallway and noticed for the first time that there was a gate at one end of it. Israel was moving toward it when he heard someone groan and then softly whimper. He whirled toward the sound and found himself looking at a woman's still form lying on another of the old-fashioned stretchers. She was pushed against the back of the room and only partially revealed by the hall lights. The glow coming through the fence cast slanted diamond patches of light over the woman's face. She was dressed in the same black scrubs as Israel and had an identical IV running to her arm. She was young, early twenties at a guess, and had hair a shade of red that Israel was pretty sure didn't occur in nature. Her face was distressed and pinched by whatever she was dreaming about, and her full lips twitched in time with the tiny movements of her arms and legs. Israel looked at the gate for just a second and then cursed softly. He moved to her side and, carefully this time, removed the IV from her arm. He pressed on it as he had his own and used his other hand to shake her gently. Hey, he said, leaning close to her ear so he could keep his voice lower. Come on, wake up. You really need to wake up now, girl. Her head lolled back and forth for a moment before he grabbed her chin and softly shook it. Let's go, he said. Time to wake up. Her eyes popped open. Suddenly, Israel was the target of weak slaps and kicks as she screamed at him with words that were slurred and incomprehensible. He staggered back, throwing his hands up in defense and saying, Calm down, calm down, as quietly as he could. After a few seconds, the woman slid off the stretcher onto shaky legs and leaned against the wall, swaying like a drunk. She kept shaking her head to clear it while Israel stayed out of arm's reach, with his hands held out. Whoosh, she shook her head again. Who are you? She asked. What the hell did you do to me, you sick fuck? Easy now, Israel said. I didn't do anything but wake you up. Bullshit, she snapped. Her eyes darted around the room and her expression grew confused. Where are we? What did you do? Nothing, Israel said. I just woke up myself. Look. He gestured to the other stretcher in the room and the pole with the ruptured IV bag. Same as you, he said. We've even got the same outfits. The woman looked down at herself and back at him. What? What's happening? Israel shook his head. I don't know. I think the question we should be asking, though, is where's the exit? What do you mean? I mean, let's get the hell up out of here and figure the rest out when we're surrounded by guys with guns and badges. She stared at him. Israel could see her clenching her teeth as she thought. If you were drugged, what woke you up? Israel pointed to the torn IV bag. I think something happened to whatever they were giving us, but I can't be sure. She pushed away from the wall and said, stay there. She half staggered over and examined the fluid bag. After a moment, she said, this goes all the way through. I think it's a bullet hole. Israel shrugged. The woman waved him over, but took a step away as he drew close. He reached up and lifted the bag slightly so it was lit better. The plastic bag was ruptured near the bottom with a hole on one side that was pushed in and a second that seemed to have exploded outward. Entry and exit, he said, pointing at each hole respectively. I think you're right. Good job. I missed that. 
He moved to the wall directly past the IV and found the bullet's obvious impact point in the brick. That's it, he said. Somebody was shooting. What the hell are we into here? He looked back at the woman. She was still staring at him, but her features had softened somewhat. You aren't lying to me? You really don't know what's going on? Girl, last thing I remember is throwing back shots with a friend of mine at a bar on Rush Street. Then this crap. My name isn't Girl, it's Aaron. Israel nodded. Sorry, Aaron, it is. I'm Israel. Like the country with all the Jews? Yeah, like the country. And in case you were going to ask, no, I'm not Jewish myself. My mom named me after my grandfather. Aaron shrugged. She seemed to be steadier on her feet, but still swayed slightly. I wasn't going to. You're a black guy. Black guys aren't Jewish. Now it was Israel's turn to stare. You know what, Aaron? Let's say we find our way out of here, and then we can discuss religious diversity. Aaron nodded. Yeah, out sounds good. The gate in the chain-link wall was unlocked and opened easily. Israel figured that whoever had put them there hadn't locked it because people under sedation didn't tend to wander off. The corridor outside the chain link had been a dead end in one direction, so they had turned right. It was after rounding the corner at the end of that hall that they found the first body. Covering the crime beat for the Chicago Tribune had given Israel more than his fair share of exposure to corpses, but he'd never seen anything like this before. The woman was slumped against the wall with multiple bullet holes in her chest. She was middle-aged and showed the softening around the face and torso that comes with that. Her clothes were that of a typical soccer mom. Jeans, soft ivory turtleneck sweater, sensible shoes. What was odd was the black, oily residue that covered her face and head. It was almost as though someone had poured crude oil over the woman's head, but this was thicker more like jelly than liquid. Israel reached out a finger and touched it for just an instant. It was as cold as ice. What is that shit? Aaron asked. Israel shook his head. No idea. We'll figure it out later. Let's find an exit. What's that on her arm? Aaron asked, pointing. Israel turned the body so he could better see the arm she was referring to. There was a thick black armband there with an emblem of some kind embroidered on it in heavy silver thread. Rather than take the time to examine it, Israel slid it down the dead woman's arm and stuck it into the small pocket on the front of his scrub shirt. What are you doing? Aaron said. For when we find all those guns and badges, he said. You know, clues. Aaron nodded. For the first time, Israel realized that she hadn't screamed or made a scene at the sight of the body. He filed that away for future reference and said, What's the last thing you remember? She hesitated, then said, Same as you. I was in a bar. Israel nodded. All right, when we get out of here, the first round's on me. The corridor they were in stretched out before them. It was hard to judge how far as the emergency lights were only illuminating portions of the space separated by patches of deep shadow. There was an unidentifiable sound coming from the far end, but it seemed muffled, like listening to a television through a hotel wall. Farther down, Israel saw at least two more bodies. He looked at Aaron. She could see the same thing as him, but rather than being disgusted by the corpses, she only seemed confused. 
You ever play Resident Evil? She asked without looking at him. Israel blinked at the question. No, he said, I'm more of a Madden guy. She nodded. I feel like I'm trapped in a Resident Evil game. Israel looked at the corridor and said, well, let's get to the next level then. He was moving forward when he felt her hand slip into his. There was nothing romantic in the action. It was more she was grabbing onto the ledge that was keeping her from falling to her death. Israel looked back at her and she met his gaze with her own dark eyes. Doesn't mean anything. I just don't want to get separated. Israel looked back at the corridor and said, Yeah, I'm good with that. They moved down the corridor, Israel in the lead and Aaron a handhold behind. He'd been right about the bodies. They came across two more, one much like the first, but male. The other was another male and dressed in some kind of tactical gear. This one didn't have the black ooze covering his features, but his head was distorted and cracked. Gray bits of flesh hung from the ruptures in his skull, and one eye bulged almost completely out of the socket, the muscles that held it in place clearly visible. Israel looked away as he swallowed back something bitter that had risen in his throat. Behind him, he heard Aaron gasp and say, Oh, fuck, what the hell? Israel took a deep breath and looked back at the ruined body. I don't know. It looks like his head got crushed by something. Can't say I know what, though. He's carrying. Israel looked back at her. What? Aaron pointed. He's got a gun. Israel looked to where she was pointing. Sure enough, there was a pistol lying on the floor next to the corpse's bloody hand. It was short and solid-looking with a square barrel. Israel was pretty sure it was a Glock. He picked it up and examined it. He knew a lot of cops, but he'd never really gotten caught up in gun culture. After a minute, Aaron said, check the clip. Israel nodded. He tilted the gun in his hand, looking for a release button. It's that one, she said, pointing, near the top of the handle where your thumb would be. Israel checked and found the small button. He pressed it with his index finger and the magazine clattered to the floor. He snatched it up quickly and looked at Aaron. Slipped, he said. He examined the magazine and counted five remaining rounds. Look for more clips, Aaron said. Israel turned his attention to the bloodied body, trying not to look at the ruined head. The man was wearing some kind of tactical vest that was coated in gore. Israel could see where the extra magazines would rest in the harness. All of the pouches were empty. This is all we get, he said. Aaron shook her head. What the hell did that to him? Where are we? Israel touched the rough wall. This is really old brick, he said, so not a new structure. The air kind of feels like we're underground, so some kind of warehouse basement maybe? Beyond that, we could be on the moon for all I know. Why? Fuck, why would... Her voice was shaky and thick with tension. Israel put his free hand on her shoulder, keeping the pistol hand down at his side. Easy, Aaron, easy, look at me. He leaned his head down a little so he could make eye contact. We woke up together, we get out of here together. I promise. You've got to keep our heads though, okay? I promise you I'm just as freaked out as you are, but that will not help us right now. Let's keep our cool and do this safe, slow, and easy. We stay focused on getting out. That's our best bet, you and me. We can do this. 
Aaron's hand found his wrist and squeezed it as though she were deciding whether or not to push it away. After a moment, she did so gently and then nodded. I'm okay, she said. Let's just keep going. They had gone another few feet when Israel said, How'd you know about the button on the gun? I've got an ex-boyfriend who was into guns. He showed me a little. Can you shoot? Not really. He wouldn't let me put any bullets in the gun. Guess he thought I might take him out. Israel half smiled. Yeah, I've had an ex or two like that. The corridor came to an intersection with a short hallway leading forward and two more corridors turning both left and right. The short hallway ended in a set of double doors with no visible latches or handles. It looked as though they could be pushed open easily and were wide enough to admit two men side by side. Or, he thought, one person on an old metal stretcher. There were at least three more bodies to the left and right. Let's go forward, he said, looking back at Aaron. She stared to the right at the two bodies on the floor. They were face down, but the halo of black gel was easy to see. She nodded and gently pushed him forward. They moved to the double doors. Israel was still feeling sluggish, but better than he had back in the stretcher room. He held the pistol up awkwardly as he pushed open the door and moved through it. There was a small room lit by a single overhead fluorescent that flickered and hummed. The room was empty save for a bank of full-sized gym lockers on either wall. One of them stood open and Israel could see a dark suit jacket hanging on a hook with the rest of the suit neatly folded on a shelf at the top. What looked to be a pair of leather wingtips were neatly placed at the bottom of the locker. He looked at Aaron and she shrugged. The wall opposite the door was covered in a heavy black curtain of some kind and they moved toward it together. Israel found the seam in the curtained wall and pulled it open slightly, just enough to peek into the dimly lit room beyond. A strong odor wafted through. It was like some strange mixture of old fish and excrement. Israel wrinkled his nose against it and tried to make out some of the room's details, but the light was too thin and the shadows too deep. It seemed darker than it should be, but Israel put that off as his mind playing tricks on him. He grasped the curtain in a tight fist, gave Aaron a quick nod, and pulled it fully open. His eyes took in the scene almost instantly, and he took a weak step back as the breath caught in his throat. Behind him, he heard Aaron stifle something between a scream and a sob. They stood at the top of a ramp that led down into a large circular chamber of rough-hewn stone and sand. At the bottom of the ramp, in the bowl of the room, there were ten stretchers with ten bodies, each of them naked and with their torsos opened from navel to neck. They were arranged in a broken circle around a center table of stone that seemed to be carved directly from the bedrock. Black but slightly luminous mist trailed from the bodies to the figure that was strapped spread-eagled on the center table. The strange mist swirled around the table and rolled up from the stone to settle into the gaping wound that split the man down the center. From this wound protruded black oily tentacles that stretched and slapped at the air, trailing mist like something frozen brought into a humid room. There were dozens of them, thin and thick, long and short, and they writhed at the air before suddenly growing still and straight, like soldiers snapping to attention. Opalescent light flooded from the base of the tentacles at the victim's chest line and popped through the room like a camera flash going off. 
Israel felt the light hit him, his mind only dimly noting that you weren't supposed to feel light, and he staggered back, dazed. A second later, he gathered his wits and looked again. The light was gone, and the black tentacles were once again slapping about the room. For the first time, he noticed the figures at the back of the room, hunched down and greedily clawing at something bulky on the floor in front of them. Their heads moved, and he realized they were looking his way. They rose slowly, moving into the dim light, and Israel finally saw them clearly. They looked much like the black-gelled bodies they had seen in the hall, normally dressed people of average height and weight with black armbands. That, however, is where the resemblance to anything human ended. Tentacles, three-foot twins to the ones at the center of the room, protruded and writhed from their heads. The black substance that comprised them covered their heads and faces in thick lines that ran into their mouths, nostrils, and eyes. The eyes themselves were fully black with only the slightest hint of a violet glow. Slick, wet gore covered their lips, chins, and cheeks. Israel realized that the shapes they had been crouched over were corpses. The three monsters started moving toward them slowly. Israel wanted to move, tried to move, but felt crippled and weak. The impossibility of what he saw had frozen his mind and rooted him in place. Still, the monsters kept moving toward him at a slow, deliberate pace. A rough hand grabbed his shoulder and yanked him backwards. A man stepped past him and Israel heard rapid explosions as the newcomer fired two shots that were answered by a scream very much like the one Israel had heard upon waking. The man whirled on Israel and Aaron. Run, now! Chapter 2 Israel rushed into the main corridor and stopped short, nearly falling. Aaron was in front of him and had stopped at the intersection. She looked left and right. Before she could ask which way to go, the man with the shotgun shoved past Israel and turned left. This way, he said. Keep up or die, your choice. Israel and Aaron spared each other a fast glance and sprinted after him. The screams were growing behind them now, echoing not only from the room they were fleeing, but down the corridors as well. Aaron pulled ahead of Israel and he cast a backwards glance as he moved. The three tentacle things that had originally come after them had been joined by two others that were trailing slightly behind. They ran awkwardly, but quickly, their arms raised and outstretched, stumbling slightly as though off balance. Israel ran faster. He saw Aaron skid around a corner to the left, and then the newcomer leaned out and rolled a bright red canister down the hall, just as Israel neared the intersection. He heard a muffled pop from behind him as the new guy grabbed him roughly and jerked him around the corner. There was a huge gust of scorching hot air that brushed against Israel's bare feet. The hallway was bathed in a flash of firelight. Israel stumbled, fell, and rolled to his back, just in time to see the ball of thin fire receding into the corridor he had come from. The monster's screams changed from menacing to panicked and started to recede as they retreated. The man who had pulled him down was standing over him. He was wearing a tactical vest over black clothing that looked military, though it bore no insignia that Israel could see. His head was shaved to little more than stubble on his scalp. Eyes the color of cigarette ash looked down at Israel from a rugged and tired face. They don't like fire, he said, offering a hand to help him up. 
Israel didn't get a chance to accept. He hadn't noticed the adjoining hallway the monster came out of when it leapt onto the man's back and started clawing and biting at him. To his credit, the man reacted automatically, snapping the palm of one hand hard into the thing's chin while using his other hand to try to pry a black-veined arm from around his neck. His shotgun clattered to the floor. Aaron screamed. Israel raised the hand that had carried the Glock, but realized it was gone. The man with the gray eyes slammed his back against the wall and pinned the monster there, tentacles waving madly and slapping at the struggling man. As they moved, Israel saw the Glock on the floor a few feet beyond the combatants. Israel scrambled across the floor for the weapon. He rose and heard his rescuer scream as black tentacles sunk into the base of his neck. The gun trembled in Israel's hand, but he pressed it into the monster's eye and pulled the trigger. He'd anticipated the sound the weapon would make. What he hadn't counted on was the weapon kicking back and hitting him in the forehead. He staggered back from the blow, his eyes watering and his ears ringing. A creeping nausea was working its way through his guts. He heard a woman call his name in muffled tones and felt soft hands on his arm. After a few seconds, his vision cleared enough to see. The monster was slumped against a gore-stained wall. A few feet away, Gray Eyes was on his knees and packing some kind of gauze against his neck. His hands on the side of his face were slick with blood. Oh no, Israel said, oh no, did I? No, Gray Eyes said with a much thicker voice than before. Damn squid head got me. I'd be dead if you hadn't stepped up. I owe you one. Israel and Aaron helped the man to his feet. He let them, keeping one hand pressed hard against the bandage at the base of his neck. Get us out of here, Aaron said, and I think we can probably call that shit even. He nodded. Call me Matt. He gestured toward the shotgun where he had dropped it. Think you can hang on to that for a few minutes? I need to keep pressure on this. Israel nodded reluctantly and handed Aaron the Glock. He lifted the shotgun from the floor. It was heavier than he expected. Just hold it tight against your shoulder if you have to fire it, okay? That'll save you another bump on the head. What are your names? I'm Aaron. This is Israel, and we would really like to know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I bet you would, Matt said. We gotta get gone first, though, this way. They continued down the corridor, Matt leading the way. He was silent and paused every few minutes to catch his breath. The wound in his neck continued to bleed. After what seemed like hours, they rounded a corner and found the scene of what must have been a horrible battle. There were dozens of bodies, most of them what Matt had called squid heads, and spent bullet casings littered the stone floor. They lay before the scorched remains of an open elevator shaft. This is where I got separated from my team, Matt said. Elevator's a no-go, but there are some stairs at the end of this hall. That's where I was headed when I heard you two banging around. He took a moment to catch his breath again. It was labored and came in heavy gasps. Let's go, he said, forcing a smile. I need a drink and a nurse with loose standards. Israel returned the smile, but knew he couldn't keep the concern from his face. Thanks for coming for us, Matt. Waking up on a stretcher was weird enough, but the rest of it... What's happening here? Aaron snapped. I'm sorry, I know you're hurt, but there are fucking monsters chasing us and guns and weird rainbow lights and about... 
Despite his injury, Matt turned quickly toward Aaron. What did you say? She gestured toward the carnage in the hallway. Sweet mother of fuck, man, look around. Do I need to repeat it? No, not that. What did you say about lights? Aaron said, the lights, the weird ones that came from the body in that room right before we met you. Matt looked at Israel. The question was plain on his face. Israel nodded. Yeah, I know it sounds nuts, but it was like I could feel the light on my skin. Not heat like sunlight, but I don't know. Pressure maybe made me nauseous. Matt's gaze dropped for a moment and he closed his eyes. Okay, we really need to go. Why, Israel said. What was that light? A familiar scream drifted through the halls. Matt locked eyes with Israel. I swear you will get your answers, but we need to get topside first. They heard another scream. It seemed closer. The stairwell was unlit, but Matt had a small, powerful light that he clipped to the front of his vest. It cast blue-tinted light along the stairs and railings. Black shadows shifted and morphed as he walked. The scents from the corridors were gone, replaced by a still mustiness. Their footsteps echoed on the metal stairs. Well, Israel said, at least this isn't creepy or anything. Matt grunted a small laugh. Hold up a sec, he said. He produced a small roll of duct tape from his pocket and gestured Aaron over. Tape this bandage down, okay? Tight as you can. Aaron hesitated and then did as he asked. How far down are we? Israel asked. This is the sub-basement, Matt said as Aaron pressed the last bit of tape into place. Next level up is an underground level for storage and parking. Ground level is above that. I'm hoping my comms will work once we get out of this stairwell. He gestured at the shotgun. I'll take that back now. Israel handed it over. You sure you're up for that? No offense, Matt, but you look like shit, Aaron said. Matt looked back at her. Ever been trained? Been in combat? No. I have. A lot. Trust me when I say that even hurt, I'm better off holding this than either one of you. So you're what, army? Law enforcement? Matt shrugged. That's complicated, and one of the things that's going to have to wait until we're out of here. He coughed wetly and spat something dark onto the floor. Okay, he said. We take this slow. When we get to the top, I'll exit first, and then you guys stay put until I wave you out. Once we're moving again, stay behind me. If I have to shoot something, that's where you'll want to be. Understood? Aaron and Israel nodded. They moved up the darkened stairwell quicker than Israel had expected. When they reached the top, Matt held a finger to his lips and motioned for them to stay put. He quietly pushed the door open and slipped into the darkness. The second he was gone, Aaron said, This is bullshit. That's an understatement, Israel replied. No, she said, I mean this Matt guy. Something stinks. How so? He said he had a team. So why the fuck was he wandering around down there all by himself? He said he got separated, and they didn't come looking for him? No, something about this guy is setting off all my fuck-no alarms. Despite the dark, Israel turned toward her. You really like the F-bombs, don't you? Oh, sorry, am I offending you? Forgive me for being completely freaked out. Look, I'm not fu- I'm not wrong. 
Israel considered it. He obviously knows more than us, and he's the only source of information we've got. I don't know about you, but I really want to know what's happened here. Besides that, until we're clear of this place, I like the idea of that shotgun between us and whatever. Squidheads. Israel nodded. Yeah, those. Have you ever seen anything like that before? No, it's like something Lovecraft or Clive Barker would come up with. After a moment, she said, Who? Just then the door opened and Matt waved them out. Stay low and on my six, he said. I made contact with my team and they're having some trouble topside. We're going to help them out. We're going to what now? Israel said. You're the only one armed. Not totally, Aaron said. She held up the Glock so that it was in the beam of Matt's light. Matt studied her for a moment. Either of you know how to handle a handgun? Aaron and Israel looked at each other for a second as a silent agreement passed between them. She's probably better off with it than me, Israel said. But not by much, Aaron added. Matt nodded. All right, then. Follow me, do as I say, and only fire that weapon if you have to. If you do, aim for the torso, anywhere on the chest and belly. I've only got five rounds. Matt gestured for the weapon. Aaron handed it over, and he pulled the slide back slightly. He handed it back. You've got six, he said. Always check the pipe. If you have to shoot, use them all. Aaron nodded, and Matt said, Let's move. Aaron, you're in the rear. Watch our backs. They filed out the door with Matt in the lead and his blue light bobbing as he moved. He kept the wall to their right and stayed close to it, avoiding the more open center of the space. A few dozen cars were parked sporadically in diagonal spaces along the walls. Matt seemed to be using these for cover, though Israel couldn't tell from what. They had gone maybe a hundred feet like this when Matt held up a hand to stop them. He was breathing hard, and when he dropped his hand, it was as though it were heavier than it looked. He took a moment to compose himself, then pinched at his collar. Stone collar, this is Sentry One, he said. In approach position on the down ramp, request sit rep. Israel's eyes had adjusted to the dimness, and he realized they were actually near the ramp leading down into the parking garage. From the angle he was at, he could see a thin line of moonlit sky. He felt the urge to go running forward, but resisted it. Copy that, Matt said. He looked back at Israel. Even in the heavy shadows, he could see the dark, thin lines of blood that were starting to seep out around the duct tape bandage. Matt's words were heavy with weariness when he spoke. You two sit tight and wait for me or one of my team. They'll use the word purgatory as an identifier. What? Aaron said. If they use that word, it means they're with Matt and not the bad guys, Israel replied. You sure about this man? You look rough. Matt took a slow, shaky breath and said, This is what I do. This is what dark walkers do. Before Israel could ask what that meant, Matt had switched off his light and was moving through the shadows. A second later, the rapid pops and booms of a gunfight echoed down the parking ramp. Israel? Aaron said, placing a hand on his shoulder. Just a second, Israel said. The hand gripped him a little tighter. Israel she repeated in a hoarse whisper. Look. He turned and looked back toward the door to the lower levels. At first, he didn't know what he was looking at. 
It seemed as though there were dark violet lights floating in midair. As they drew closer, though, he saw that they were coming in pairs. Six pairs, he counted. Six pairs of glowing violet eyes looking out from skulls that were writhing with black tentacles that stood out even in the nearly lightless garage. As he realized what they were, the squidheads all turned their eyes toward the two people hiding behind the parked cars. They must have followed us, Israel said. Run. The monsters screamed and surged forward as one. Aaron and Israel broke from behind the car and started sprinting toward the ramp. Any pretense at stealth was gone. Aaron raised the Glock and emptied the clip just as Matt had instructed her. Israel didn't bother looking back to check her success. Even if she stopped one, there were five more to deal with, and that was five more than he wanted. The sounds of gunfire grew louder as they approached the ramp, and Israel looked frantically for Matt. He heard Aaron's footfalls and breathing close behind him. The squidhead's screams changed pitch slightly as they rounded the corner behind Aaron. Something loud buzzed past Israel's ear and he flinched, momentarily breaking his stride and allowing Aaron to pass him. He heard the monsters coming closer and he sprinted ahead. Aaron was a few feet ahead of him and past her he spotted Matt crouched behind some kind of guard shack at the top of the ramp. It looked as though he was sliding shells into the shotgun. Israel realized that he couldn't hear the gunfire sounds anymore, but thought that was just because the screaming was so loud. Aaron was close to Matt when Israel saw the man turn and point his weapon at her. She skidded to a halt in surprise. Matt snapped the weapon's barrel up and away from Aaron. Israel had just met Matt's eyes when he felt hands latch onto his shirt and a man's weight drive him to the ground. He hit hard, felt his cheekbone drive into the concrete as hands clawed at him from behind. A chill seeped into him at the touch as he kicked and fought, but the weight just seemed to grow. Something ice-cold and smooth slid like a striking snake around his throat and tried to hook a tip into his mouth. He clamped his mouth shut and turned his head. The tentacles squeezed and he felt teeth gnaw at him just behind his ear, but they slipped on his sweat-streaked skin. Israel's own screams had joined the squid heads. He reached back, pushed hard at the head that was snapping at him. Pressure seemed to be building in his ears as the black tentacle tightened its grip on his throat. Then, suddenly, there was a jerk against the hand that was holding back the teeth. Israel felt the pressure on his neck relax. There was a dull thump on the ground next to his face. Israel opened his eyes and saw a pair of glassy black orbs staring back at him from a head that was rocked slightly as it settled onto the ground. Israel cursed and pulled at the thing around his neck. He felt someone pull the weight of the body from his back, and he rolled away from the head in disgust. When he finally looked up, he expected to see Matt standing over him. Instead, he saw a very short, very muscular man dressed in the same military-style clothing as Matt. His face was cast in shadow against the night sky, but the orange glow of a lit cigar cast his features in a pale light as he inhaled. The man wore a heavy but neatly trimmed beard that was contrasted by a cleanly shaved head. In his hands, he casually held a narrow-handled, wide-blade axe that glistened in the moonlight. The man gave a rough laugh and, in a voice that would rival James Earl Jones's for its depth, said, You're welcome. Oh, by the way, purgatory. Stone, a man's voice shouted. 
The bald man turned and moved as quickly as his stocky legs would carry him. Israel stood up and watched him join two other men huddled around a fourth on the ground near the guard kiosk. It was Matt. The one called Stone leaned over Matt's prostrate form. The shorter man had placed his axe on the ground next to Matt and seemed to be listening as he looked back at Israel. Aaron was standing a few feet to one side, watching intently. Beyond her, Israel could see motionless forms on the ground, weapons still clutched in dead hands. Stone stood up along with one of the other men. Israel realized that Stone was nearly two feet shorter than the other man, but definitely seemed to be in command. After a moment's conversation, he walked back toward Israel. Is Matt okay? Israel asked. He's in a bad way, but we've got medical on the way. Israel nodded. Questions flooded in behind the tension that he was releasing. He was out. It was over. My name's Israel Trent, he stammered. I'm a reporter for the Tribune. Which one? Stone said. What? What do you mean, which one? The Tribune. The Chicago Tribune. Stone laughed. You're not in Chicago. You're in Oceanside, California. What? How long? The question stalled in his throat when he saw one of the other men raise a weapon and fire it at Aaron. Two darts with wires trailing back to her attacker's weapon suddenly appeared in her chest. She dropped limply to the ground. Before he could speak, he saw Stone's hand come up, heard a pop, and felt his own body go rigid in pain. He didn't much feel himself hit the ground as realize he had done so by the sudden change in perspective. Rough, hard hands rolled him to his back, and Israel saw Stone produce a small syringe from one of his pockets. Israel tried to move, tried to push away, but his muscles simply wouldn't respond. Sorry, mate, Stone said as he pushed the needle into Israel's neck. But you've been awakened. This is just the way it has to be. Seconds later, everything went black. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sorceress as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Remember to come back next week or subscribe at SerialAudio.com so you never miss a new episode. You can learn more about this podcast and other serialized fiction shows by visiting our website at SerialAudio.com. That's all one word, SerialAudio.com where you can subscribe to this and our other shows via RSS, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast players. While you're at it, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. Even better, if you have a few spare seconds, leave a review on iTunes. To help support this show, sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash serial audio. You'll get early access to episodes ad-free and special bonuses like behind-the-scenes author and narrator interviews. Thank you again from all of us at SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Cause we warriors. Cause we warriors. Let's